As some of you may know, I am somebody who really likes to preach out of the lectionary. It, to me, is a really great tool created by a bunch of fancy Christian people that selects passages reflective of where we are in the Christian year um, for pastors to use to preach from. It covers a good portion of scripture so that we get a breadth and depth of topics, and we read scriptures that perhaps the pastor themselves would never pick. So this week, I got online to look at my lectionary. You can Google it too if you want. It literally is just revised common lectionary and it'll pop up and you can look at the scriptures selected for this week. But I pulled them up and I was looking at them and I skipped all the first ones and made my way down to the gospel lesson in the book of Mark. And I read it and thought, hmm, this isn't it. And then I looked at James and that wasn't it. And then I slowly crept up and up and up until I got to today's reading that I've selected for us all out of the book of Proverbs. And this scripture out of the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament, it's a tricky one. Proverbs 31. And I read it and I thought, that's it. That's the one I'm going to preach this week. And it's not because I love this passage. It's not because I think that it is a passage other people love. It's for the exact opposite reason. This scripture is one a lot of people have issues with. It is hard, it's strange to make sense of, it is used in some really hurtful ways. It's a scripture I've never heard a good sermon on. <laughs> it's a scripture that a lot of people have never heard good sermons on. And so I decided, you know what, I wanna tackle that. I wanna look at Proverbs 31. This scripture is often talked about as the Proverbs 31 woman. It's labeled that, and there's a whole culture of Christians who really push the idea that the woman in the scripture is who you should be if you are a woman. You can Google it. You'll find tons of articles about how to be the Proverbs 31 woman. There's literally books about like becoming a Proverbs 31 woman in 90 days or less. There's a whole movement called P31 that makes t-shirts and mugs and all these inspirational things you can buy. Christian bookstores have like entire sections dedicated to being a virtuous woman and a modern wife, just like they think this scripture is about. It's common that Christian men are taught to desire a woman with only the qualities that are in this scripture. And those qualities get really skewed. It's really cringy for a lot of people to hear this scripture, especially those of us who might come from purity culture or from more conservative evangelical backgrounds where the scripture has been twisted around and used in some really oppressive way where we're told you have to be this. And maybe some of you watching this have experienced that or you at least know what I'm talking about. If you really wanna go down a black hole, you can Google it, <laughs> but be warned, it gets weird. <laughs> it is a real thing that this scripture, Proverbs 31, is used to force women into particular ways of being and particular roles in the world. We've skewed this text as a culture and as Christians in order to create women who fit a certain mold. And that mold says that you have, to, you have to bear children, you have to care well for those children, you have to be a master of domestic chores, you have to make every meal and keep your house spotless, you have to never rest or have free time, you have to sacrifice any independence or any 
any of your own identity to do for others. You have to sew and you have to make garments for your home. You have to be the first person awake and the last one asleep. You have to be quiet and not take up too much space. You have to be modest in your presentation of your body. You have to be kind and generous and dainty and beautiful. And if you haven't caught on yet, this type of theology is one where you have to be straight, <laughs> right? This scripture is used in such a way where we're like, you really have to be this type of woman for this man. It's a text that people cringe over, and rightfully so, because the way it's been used is just really perverted. For those of us for whom this text has been used to slap us in the face, to tell us that we aren't holy enough or we're not the right kind of woman, right? For a lot of people, this text is used to get them in line. It's really hard to look at this text. It's really hard to read this text with all of what a lot of Christian, Christian culture tells us. And today, the reason I really wanted to look at it again is because I think this text has a different reading that maybe a lot of us hasn't heard. I myself wanted to dive into a different take, a different narrative to understand, is there more to this text? I am someone who really believes we should wrestle with scripture, especially scripture that we don't understand or that's been used in harmful ways, which is a lot of scripture. I also really believe that scripture that's been used in harmful ways deserves to be wrestled with because it also deserves to be reclaimed, right? This text has been twisted around and weaponized and hurt people, but maybe that's not what it's meant to be about, maybe that's just what we've done with it. And so rather than toss it out today, I really wanna take a look and see if there's a new Proverbs 31 woman for us all, for myself to understand. To give some context about what's happening outside of our associations and our cultural you know, norms around this text, Proverbs, the book that we read out of, is known as a wisdom book. And it's unlike any other book in the Bible. It's a really unique type of reading. It's a unique book in the Bible. It's its own genre outside of a lot of other biblical texts because while a lot of other scriptures in the Bible are articulating theological ideas or they're telling really lengthy stories or they're giving us prophecies, Proverbs concerns itself completely with instructing people on what wisdom is, right? It's the wisdom book. It's this simple compilation of a bunch of short instructions on how to live a good and wise life. And Proverbs 31 is the very last chapter of the book of Proverbs. And while we read it like instructions, it's actually a form of Hebrew poetry, right? Isn't that wild? It's a 22 line poem that doesn't maybe come across well as poetry for us, but it's actually jammed packed full with hyperbole and imagery and in the Hebrew language that it was originally written in, it's an acrostic poem. So you may remember this in elementary school where you wrote your name like Sarah, and then you wrote a word for each of those things like superb, art, rude, I don't know. <laughs> But um, you wrote things. 
next to each letter. And that's exactly what Proverbs 31 is. It's an acrostic format of poetry. And so in the Hebrew language, there's actually at the beginning of each line, a Hebrew letter going down through the alphabet, exploring what womanhood is. And the verses that are left out of what we read today, we started at verse 10. So the first nine verses of chapter 31 that have conveniently just like disappeared from the prescribed reading um, are actually really important. It's a shame we leave them out. It's one of the ways the lectionary falls short because it picks and chooses things and sometimes we don't get the full image from that. But essentially what the first nine verses tell us is that this text is written by King Lemuel, who we know nothing about, but he tells us that this is something that his mother handed down to him, that this poem was one which was taught to him by his mother. And then we get to line 10 of of this chapter where the poem really begins, where we started our reading today, and the whole thing is framed by it. Verse 10 of chapter 31 says, who can find a virtuous woman? Or a virtuous woman who can find? And then it goes into all of these other things. And that's where we mess up right off the bat because a more accurate translation of this Hebrew poem says a woman of valor who can find. And this text, when we start to dissect it, isn't actually talking about a dainty, feminine, meek woman in the same way we've been told. Translations of this text often erase what it's actually describing, which is a woman of valor, a woman of great power, a warrior woman in some translations, a woman of deep physical strength. We get it wrong because we think this text is describing for us a virtuous woman, a dainty woman, a stereotypical archetype, but actually this woman is a heroic one. She doesn't do the things that we mentioned at the beginning of this sermon, at least not in the same way. This woman is a huntress. She provides food for her family. She gets up early and hunts. She provides financial resources for her family. She's an entrepreneur. This scripture really tells us that she goes out and she buys a field of her own earning and plants a vineyard there. This woman watches over the affairs of her household. She girds herself with strength. Specifically, the translation said she girds her loins. It says that she laughs often in victory. She extends her arms to the needy. She supports her loved ones and she fills in the gaps in the world where they're needed. This is the woman of this text when we're faithful to the original writing. And it's very different from the Proverbs 31 woman we've been taught. This woman is not meek. She's not submissive. She's not so many of the things we've been taught a Proverbs 31 woman should be. She's fierce. And realistically, this text is not just about one woman. When King Lemuel writes about this, he's not writing about a specific woman. He's writing about this poem his mother has taught him that's meant to be a celebration of who women are, of the space that they take up in the world. Like other really good poems, this meant 
This poem is meant to draw attention to the overlooked glory of the everyday. What that means is it's meant to highlight the importance of women in everyday lives, especially in a biblical world where they aren't necessarily viewed as full people and they certainly aren't celebrated for their contributions very often. This text is meant to highlight the many different roles women play in the world. And while we view it as an instruction for how women should be, actually the only instructive language really used in this scripture package comes when it's directed towards men. And it tells them they need to honor a woman for all her hands have done. It's not telling women how to move their hands through the world, it's telling the men in this biblical community that they need to honor women for the way that they move through the world. If we hold up every woman in the Bible next to this scripture, we realize none of them really mark all the things on this box, right? The great heroines of the Bible, Rahab and Hannah and Sarah and Mary and Mary Magdalene and all of these women in the Bible, named and unnamed, none of them really mark off every characteristic of this scripture. And we realize that's because it's not a checklist. The Old Testament scholar Ellen Davis, who teaches at Duke Divinity where I went, Go Duke, notes that this poem is not at all meant to honor one particular woman who is above all others, but it's meant to underscore the significance of the role of women in a world that is a household-based economy. The Proverbs 31 woman is not at all an ideal to measure up to. It's a reminder that there's an importance to the work that these women are doing in a time when they're viewed as property and less than human. It speaks to all these different things that women do in the world, whether that be domestic work, motherhood, hunting, cooking, to being an entrepreneur, to caring for others, to filling in the gaps. Rachel Held Evans, one of my favorite ex-evangelical writers, comments that a woman of valor is not a star because of what she does, but how she does it. She moves through the world with valor. And that's what this text is about. There's this deep realization that there's so many different things women do and so many different forms of womanhood. And it's not about what you do, but having valor in what you're doing. In the Jewish culture, something that I learned recently is that this passage is used between women to actually lift each other up and encourage each other. They see each other doing brave things and they say, you are a woman of valor. It's common practice for women to identify each other as a woman of valor and celebrate their achievements through the use of quoting this text. And so today, friends, I want to invite us to reclaim this text, not as an oppressive one, telling us what those people who identify as women should be, but realize that this text invites us into an expansion of what it is that makes a great woman and perhaps even an expansion of what a woman is. This text is highlighting what makes a human of valor. It's highlighting the importance of noticing what people who are viewed in the world as small and unimportant are doing and realizing that their contributions are large and vast and celebrating them. As we are invited into this text, our understanding of valid and celebratory woman 
and sorry, our understanding of valid and worthy forms of womanhood should expand. And this model where we expand all, all of these forms of womanhood like we see in this passage, which just highlights so many different things women do. In that model, if we adapt it into the modern, the modern world, then the stay-at-home mom and the businesswoman and the addict and the woman who never wants to have children and the woman who feels called to having children, the woman who cleans her home daily or who never cleans her home, they're all a woman of valor. If we open this up, then we realize that a trans woman and a woman of little means and a woman with strong opinions who pushes to be heard, all of them are women of valor. We realize that the woman who cusses like a sailor, who struggles with depression, we realize that the folks who identify with womanhood but also feel they're more than just women, who identify with other forms of gender, they are people of valor. In this text, all these different forms of womanhood, all the ways that women are moving through the world or feminine identifying people are moving through the world are blessed. And if we look at that in the modern world, what it means is all the different ways we see female identifying people or feminine people or women move through the world, all the different ways we encounter every day are blessed too, and they should be celebrated. That, friends, is the truth of Proverbs 31. That is the truth of the Proverbs 31 woman. She's not a single woman, she's an archetype. She's not an example we should feel small next to. She's not an ideal to be upheld. She's not a list of qualities. She's not of something that should be used for persecution. She's infinite. She opens up for us this vast, expansive idea of what womanhood can be. She opens up this ideal that women, that people who are ignored are people of valor, that the way they move through the world should be celebrated and noticed, that women who feel they're not, not acknowledged are noble, that being one of the many, many things on this list which we could expand in modern terms is noble. That, friends, is the good news of this text. And I hope that for you all who have a hard time hearing it, maybe, maybe we can reclaim it. Maybe we can take it back from that, that evangelical background or that purity culture or that thing that told you that you have to be this Proverbs 31 woman that just feels like a really gross thing to you. Maybe we can realize what's happening in this is this, this whole large variety of moving through the world. And it's reminding us that that should be celebrated, that it should be acknowledged, that it's blessed. That if you are a woman or a person who moves through the world uniquely, you are a person of valor. You're doing work that should be noticed and celebrated. Amen, friends. <laughs>